welcome to BlazePod. It's Thursday, the 12th of March. My name is Ben. Somewhat later than uh, originally planned this week, but uh, but here we go. It is a podcast about Sheffield United's win over Norwich City and about the game with Newcastle United scheduled for this weekend. Coming up, um, I've got a special guest, Andy from Gallowgate Shots, which is a Newcastle United YouTube channel and podcast. He's going to give us a lowdown on Newcastle's season so far and what he's made of Sheffield United. And also, content warning, he does talk about that goal that Newcastle scored against us earlier in the season as well. So watch out for that one. But first, uh, it's a man with almost the same name. It's Andrew from Roy's View from joining us always to discuss Sheffield United's win over Norwich City. Thanks for downloading. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Very pleased to be joined now. A little bit later in the week than uh, than planned, but he's he's back. It is Andrew from Roy's View from We're Gonna Talk About Sheffield United. How are you doing? I've been better, but I'm alright, really. You're on the road to recovery. I'm on the road to recovery. Self isolating yeah. and all, so yeah. <laughs> well, we're not gonna talk about uh the thing that everyone is talking about. No. Uh, we're, we're non-experts on it, and we're going to go ahead with this as though everything is kind of carrying on as usual, I suppose. Yeah, but we're not experts on football, so that do not stop us, really. <laughs> That's a very, very good point, yes. Well, we're going to talk about uh, another win for the Blades this weekend that moves us on to 43 points. Uh, win over Norwich, a 1-0 win, so we complete the double over Norwich, and it's actually our first double over them since 1939, so... Going back a long way, which is, you know, it's quite surprising, actually, because I do feel like we play them most seasons. Maybe there was a big gap somewhere, but certainly the whole time I've been supporting United, we've been pretty much in the same league as Norwich yeah, most of the time. Yeah. So. I'm surprised at that, they've not had a long spell in the top flight, have they, or anything? It also means we've more than doubled their points tally for the season so far, which is uh, it's quite satisfying as well. And three wins from three against the other promoted teams, so... Yeah, always. Uh, I think we've talked about this before, haven't we? It's always nice to kind of measure yourself against the teams that you got promoted with. So, yeah, we're, we're pretty comprehensively ahead on that one, I think. Um, yeah, what was. Uh, I mean, it, I know it's a, a little while ago now, but yeah, what were your overall impressions from the game? Yeah, I think I messaged you as soon as I came out and said I thought we were slightly lucky to, to get the win, personally. I thought a draw possible would have been a fair result. I thought there were a bit in the second half where. It might be the most we've dominated a team all season, you know, straight after the goal. Mm. And I thought we had, like, shot after shot after shot and chances and crosses and stuff like that. But I felt second half we didn't really create anything other than that Basham sort of beautiful bit of Paul Gascoigne play. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thought they didn't really create much. Henderson only had two saves to make. There were only two real dangers, I think. I think in the entire game there were only three real chances they had. The first half were Pukie in the post. Mm. But I felt they had a bit more control of the game, and I thought that in the second half, and I felt that if they'd have scored, I wouldn't have said that were unlucky. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we can talk about Norwich uh, in a bit more, like as in, I guess the, the the state of Norwich, if you like, as a football team, not the mm. uh, not the city. Um, later on in the podcast, I suppose. I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was a. It, it was kind of, I guess in terms of action, it wasn't the most exciting game, but it was kind of one of those slightly intriguing, little bit of a chess match kind of games. Mm. You know, we, we we seemed really happy for them to uh, to try and try and play out from the back, I thought. And, you know, we were kind of just... Well, we weren't really standing off them too much with it, but it kind of like if you want to just pass it out to your back back four, then then we'll come and press you. Um and yeah, I thought that was that was quite a, an interesting sort of subplot of the game, I suppose, that they were mm. 
you know, really, really trying to build from the back, and and in phases we were trying to basically step on their toes as soon as they did yeah. it. Um, we did have that dominant spell near half time that you mentioned, where we we scored one and, and really could have ended the game, I suppose. But then the the second half was yeah pretty uneventful, apart from I guess one big incident that we can come on to in a moment. Um, I mean, yeah, I thought the main, the only real danger that they posed, I thought, was from a couple of corners, which is slightly worrying because Brighton did that in the last home game as well. But then they are a Brighton, they were a team of giants, I suppose. But yeah, that Pookie chance came from a corner. The uh, Henderson incredible save that we'll discuss also came from that. But yeah, other than that, they didn't really open us up, I don't think, did no, they? I, to be honest, I thought it was a quite an exciting game, despite the fact not much happened. As you said, it was in, an interesting game, I thought. Maybe mm. not for the for the, uh, the the fair weather fan, if you like, who just wants goals, goals, goals and excitement. But I did find it an interesting game. Interesting how they swap their, uh, the, not just the shape, but the style of the play as well, I thought. They definitely started going a bit more direct, didn't they, in the second half? Yeah, half-time they brought on, uh, it's Dermich, I think, isn't it? And yeah. went, went two up front. And uh, yeah, you're right, they did play a bit more direct. I mean, they, they had more possession than us through the game, although uh, we very much dominated the territory. So they had 58% possession, 62% territory in our favour. The outshot us as well, which is quite unusual, I think. You know, probably mm. not what you'd expect against a, a team that does have a, a bad defence and not a good attack. Um, but yeah, overall, I think we we just about did enough to win, I think. I, I mean, at times, I thought we played really nicely. You know, Certainly mm. that that kind of dominant spell that I mentioned was was very pleasing. And ultimately, we're just, we're just getting results at the moment, aren't we? I know there's a bit of like the... Uh, underlying narrative, if you like, of um, you know how well are we playing at the moment? But you yeah. really, really cannot argue with with results. I think. I mean, we've we've lost as many games yeah. as Man City now. That's it is it's the middle of March, and <laughs> that's insane, isn't it? Like, yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, it, it's sort of. I think on the day I, I, there wasn't too much between the teams I don't think anybody who didn't know anything about the game would have said well I can see while well, these are miles above the other one but I think that just goes to show him we've said it all season that I think the league's a lot stronger I don't think there's any easy games and I think Norwich being bottom of the league is a really really good example of how strong the Premier League has been in terms of competitiveness this season mm, I do wonder if they'll uh, I know we, we exchanged some messages about this during uh, Monday Night Football I wonder if Norwich will finish the season as the worst team in the league or uh, if our other promotion fellow promoted team may replace yeah. them because I thought uh, Villa looked atrocious on Monday night I mean I, I were in bed like I didn't feel well at all and I just had it on and felt even worse looking at their defence <laughs> to be honest so, uh, but yeah I thought I really I mean I thought they were absolutely abysmal on that game but they just didn't get anywhere near Leicester City no indeed um so this this win concludes the run of uh, an easier run of fixtures, uh, which is three straight home games all against teams. It's certainly, you know, uh, well, I guess teams that are battling relegation essentially: Bournemouth, Brighton, and um, and Norwich. We've got seven out of nine points. So if you wanted to stretch it out further, it was ten out of twelve if you include Crystal Palace, although they are definitely no longer in relegation trouble. Um, and I do remember, you know, before that, I kind of jokingly lobbed out at you you know if we win these three home games or we get seven points out of those three then you know Europe is a genuine thing and back then you were um I don't want to say dismissive but you were you were like I don't want to talk about this it's too silly have you uh have you changed your mind at all it's quite uh, funny because obviously we'll talk about what's going to happen and stuff with the season people saying we can't have we can't finish the season now and like 
no, finish it. We're seventh. Like, <laughs> we'll get into Europe. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I mean, obviously with the FA Cup and stuff, it, we were yeah, we're definitely in with a shot. I, I I definitely think that with the way the results have gone, not just for us and stuff. You know, Wolves slipping up at Brighton. Man United seem to be getting it together. Obviously, that was an amazing win for him against City. But mm. we've got a better chance than I thought we had. Put it that way. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, let's let's assume the season does uh, reach a natural conclusion. Um, yeah, as in all thirty-eight games played at some point. Um, yeah, the re- the rest of our fixture list is is definitely harder than what we've just been through. Yeah, um, I mean, if you know, on if you look at it, Palace, Bournemouth, Brighton, Norwich, Newcastle—that's that's a kind run mm. of league games. Um, yeah, even with even with the Newcastle voodoo, which we can possibly talk about very quickly, but. Um, you know, team. You know, if we end up, I I have nothing to fear from Chelsea and Spurs. I mean, you look at these teams. Spurs are an absolute stay at the minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's harder, but the we fact are genuinely lost to Leipzig and even Mourinho said we were the you know the best team won. You're like, wow, these are in trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, Mourinho's already saying he wants the season to be. Wishes the season could be over, and that was that was before they got knocked out of the Champions League. That was like three yeah. weeks ago, which yeah. is. Not what I'd want to hear from uh, from my manager, I don't think, if no, I was still in three all, competitions no. as he was at I that I think point. the thing is with the running and stuff, and I, sorry to keep going on about what's going to happen with the season, obviously we don't know and it is hanging over everything, is if it's behind closed doors or whatever, that home advantage we had against Tottenham Wolves and, you know, if the season is played out behind, that's, that is so, so, obviously there's bigger things going on. But that is frustration purely from a football point of view, if that does happen. if you, I don't know if you agree with that, that we've sort of lost a big sort of reason why we could be optimistic about getting into Europe. Yeah, I know I know we're trying to resist talking about this, but I, I guess that the the counter argument is that uh when we play away from home we don't have any home yeah, away, yeah. away disadvantage either. So yeah, um yeah. D- doesn't worry me too much. Um back to well I guess you had sort of back to this Norwich game. I mean <laughs> I don't know how many people were aware of this, but you and I were certainly talking about the some of these narratives that are kind of built built up in advance of this game. So the one about United going off the boil and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sliding down the league table. And it's like, I think we've lost one in ten or something like that. And that was against uh, Man City. Includes the cup games, obviously. But four in twenty-one we've lost. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know what going off the boil means. I really don't because oh, the Arsenal fans were saying when we drew in the cup, oh, it's good draw. These are going off the boil. It's, I don't know. I mean, people are arguing about the performances. I don't think it was the best performance again on Saturday, but I don't think we're playing badly. I don't so think it was like, to beat. Yeah, this is it. And the Norwich fans after were quite surprised with sort of when they were saying, I thought it was all going to be, oh, we deserve the draw, we deserve the draw. But a lot of them were saying they know how to play us. We, we didn't break him down. They're so difficult to break down. And that mm. sounds so sort of easy to say. It's almost like a flippant comment, but... Not many teams are, you know. The, yeah. You look at good sides like Man United, Chelsea. They get, you know, there's games where they get absolutely torn apart by teams. Yeah, and it just uh, it, it has barely happened to us this season. I mean, yeah, just a, yeah. a very few, just a, a real handful of games. That genuinely count on one hand um, the times it's happened. Um, I mean, the other hilarious narrative uh, was from the. Uh, I almost cancelled my athletic subscription over this, but. Uh, Norwich's athletic correspondent claiming that um, teams are still underestimating Sheffield United. And that they, <laughs> yeah, I love they, that. They that just, they just try harder. Yeah. 
just try harder against Norwich because Norwich beat Man City earlier in the season. It's such a load of that is the worst article I've ever read. Like about <laughs> that's including like whatever Garth Crooks has said and stuff. It's like, well, why are we bottom? Well, we can't say because they we're you know we uh, we're a better side. We can't say it's like run out of excuse because teams try harder against us. It, it's just nonsense. I remember Wednesday fans saying it a lot, a lot of time in League One when they, before we went. We, our fans probably said it as well, to be fair. But they used to say like, "Oh, it's harder for us to go up because it's the cup final for the, the likes of Stevenage and stuff." And it's like, mm. well, not really. You've been in that division at this point. They were like in four years out of six or whatever, so it's not a, a novel thing. Yeah, I suppose it would be hypocritical of me not to say that I did sometimes think that when we were in League One as well. I, I just think, think... I think the first season or the first couple of seasons you could possibly say that, but I think when you get into the the third or fourth season you've been in League One, mm. it's not the big. You know, if if Man United came down to the Championship, for instance, we were in it. Obviously, it would be big. Oh, Man United, this we're a massive club. But by the third or fourth time, I don't think you'd be thinking. We need to raise our game here. This is Man United because if they were just middling around in mid-table, it's the same with a lot of big clubs now. You know, we we play we we're, we're coming up against Arsenal in, in the cup and thinking, hang on, we've got a good chance here. Yeah, yeah that's Arsenal. So the, the name I think sort of dies a death when we, you know when when the team's performing as badly for such a consistent time. Yep, I think that's fair. Um, so, team news going into this one. Lundstrom comes back in for Berger. Um, surprised? Not surprised? I was surprised, yeah, because I don't think Lundstrom... I, I thought Lundstrom were really poor against Reading. Mm. So, I, I know Berg's not been fantastic himself, and I know that he played in a different position. He looked knackered against Reading. But I was surprised, yeah. Um, and I thought he had a really bad first 20 minutes, Lundstrom, actually. I don't know if you agree with that. I thought everything he touched sort of just went out of play, miscontrolled it, and then he put a, mm. like, an unbelievable ball in for... And I think he were at the heart of pretty much everything for that really good 20-minute spell that we had. Yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, I was. it didn't surprise me this much, just on the basis that Berger um, it played like 99 minutes, I think, against Reading. Mm. Um, and that's obviously by far the most he'd played for us. I mean, yeah, as you said, he was in that... Slightly different role where he had to do a bit less running than um, like right of that midfield three. So that's probably why he was able to get through 99 minutes, but didn't surprise me yeah. too much. It's, it's funny, I think I was having this conversation with my dad. It's like, obviously, uh, obviously our, our best team for the foreseeable future will have Berger in it. But I think yeah. if, you were, if you were just trying to win one game, you probably have Lundstrom at the moment just because I agree, yeah. of the familiarity. If battle, yeah, I think if you're in a relegation battle, he plays, doesn't he, pretty much every week. Just because he knows the role, he knows the system, he's up to full Premier League fitness levels. Yeah, it's it's such a strange position to be in where yeah. you know, you're a record signing that we're all like really excited about and I'm uh, you know, I'm 100% confident he's going to be brilliant for us. You almost like the best place for him at the moment is probably on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> Such an it, odd situation to be in. But. Yeah, it is, it, is, it is insane, isn't it? Because, it, but it's, that's just that the, the position that we've uh, managed to get ourselves in that we can sort of talk about that. Like, yes. what is our, not, we don't have to play our, what we think is going to be our most effective team. It's, uh, you know, a testament to our role we've done. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, it, it's a, a privileged position that we've, like, as you say, we've, we've found ourselves in where we can, essentially afford to sign players that we don't need yet you know everyone else in yeah. January well, not everyone else but you know I, I think teams at the bottom of the league are scrambling to sign you know a Jared Bowen that's going to get them over the line of, of safety whereas we're like no we're, we'll sign players that uh, ideally will be good for us next year and the year after that so yeah I wasn't I wasn't totally surprised to see Lundstrom back in and as you say he had a pretty decisive contribution um, one other player we should mention uh, it wasn't technically a change because he did start the previous game but 
Ender Stevens started this one, which surprised me a mm. little bit. And I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I told you so on this one, because I always say when you know when everyone has a slight knock, and Wilder says, "Oh yeah, we're hoping they'll be fit for the next game." We don't see them for two weeks. Well, we saw Ender Stevens in this game, despite the fact he had a slight knock, and lo and behold, he goes off injured after about <laughs> forty minutes or whatever yeah. it was, and now he's out for a couple of weeks. So yeah, yeah I, I think that's the last time we'll rush someone back from injury. Like we that. don't normally do it, and I'm surprised simply because of how well Osborne. And I thought he did really well again when he came on, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I said I said rush back there. That implies that I have some sort of inside knowledge of the, uh, mm. or better knowledge, I suppose, of the, the medical team at United, which is obviously complete nonsense. I'm sure they thought he was going to be fit. But yeah, at the same time, it's a strange one in it that it's a recurrence of the same injury. That's very unusual for us to, to have that happen. Um, he has just signed a new contract, Tender Stevens. I presume you saw that just before we start recording. Do you see that? Yes, yes. Um, I don't want to. Um, again, I, I did this last last week, but I don't want to jump the gun. But that is my alternative man of the match, simply because that's fantastic news. I think it is indeed fantastic news. So we'll return to that in uh, in a little while. Let's talk yeah. about uh, so about the goal, which came uh, from a, a lovely. I, I guess we had a we'd had a bit of pressure, haven't we, before this? Yeah, but Bernie yeah. had had one um, tipped over the bar. It was a, a pretty good header, fairly comfortable save from. Yeah. Uh, from Cruel, who is uh, an interesting character. What is it with Norwich and just like churning through the uh, annoying goalkeepers? Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, you know, there were one point where Cruel were like at the halfway line taking a free kick, weren't they? And I'm like, shoot! As soon as he got it like from like <laughs> our own half. But yeah, yeah indeed. Um, we had a bit of a scramble from a corner where o- <laughs> O'Connell had one. I mean, semi miraculously blocked on the line. I mean, I think we said last time. You know, it's it's. It's pretty mad that O'Connell and Egan don't get more goals for yeah, us, but yeah, yeah. the things like this keep happening. I suppose I don't know if it was. Uh, I think it was Godfrey was there. Yeah, the... yeah, and the defender. Uh, yeah, well, Godfrey and the defender were um, unbelievable defenders. Like he didn't know what was going on. Come on, no, you know he, I mean? just, he just uh... like, sort of hit both foot and then like sort of went out of play. So yeah, I mean, yeah, you get credit. He was in the right play. You know, he was, was in that um, uh, quarter of the goal. I suppose. Um, mm. I can't remember what I was listening to, actually. I think it was a Totally Football show we were talking about this the other day, and they were talking about how a, a team, I think it's in Liverpool, actually, They sort of the way they defend certain shots is like Alisson basically has one bit of the goal and a defender just covers the rest of it. And yeah, yeah. that's esen- essentially what happened there, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty good play by him. But at the same time, it was like, how does that not end up in the back of the net? I, I thought that was a goal from uh, yeah. the other end of the pitch. Yeah. But then we did take the lead. Um, Lundstrom sends in... An unreal cross. I mean, a, a Beckham-esque, De Bruyne-esque I'll, I'll cross. You've nicked it. I've had to say, I've just written that down. <laughs> Beckham-esque <laughs> Which, cross. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Number seven as well, JL7, DB7. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Basham makes that run on the outside, which yeah. just just buys Lundstrom a little bit of space. And, and that's kind of what I mean about, you know, if you're picking a team to win a one-off game at the moment, that's mm. where the value of... Lundstrom's familiarity comes in because he he waits for that run from Basham yeah. and then he sees the space and then he just plays. I mean, it's it's you almost don't want to call it a cross. It's just like a pass. Fires it. Yeah. It's, oh, it's 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 beautiful. It's it's one of the best crosses I've seen for a very very long time. And uh, of course, he's on the end of it. It's Billy Sharp. He finds some space in between uh, Grant Hanley and uh, I think it's Lewis in at the right back and just powers it into the net. What it's a it's a wonderful 
couple of seconds of Sheffield United football, I think. Incredible yeah. header, cruel, absolutely no chance. And yeah, and uh, uh, a lovely goal. celebration as well from uh, Sharp. <laughs> I did enjoy yeah. that. I went with the guy, the guy I was with at the match, I turned around and said, uh, "Look, his celebration. He was looking the other way, like because he was just obviously just winding him up, weren't I?" Yeah, I don't know what. Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah. See, if anyone did not see this, he just basically walked straight behind the net past the uh, past the Norwich fans. Giving him a shush gesture. Um, yeah, I don't know if he'd been getting some stick from them or if it's mm. uh, if it's something in the past. Although I do remember, I did read something that's uh, with an interview with him um, a couple of days ago. Actually, saying like it did hurt that they won the league and we didn't, which I, I was, thought was quite interesting. Actually, yeah I, I, yeah, I mean, I know. Well, we didn't. I'd, I'd like to. I don't think we made the best preparation to win the league. They would have won it anyway, but by getting drunk for six days out of the seven after we got promoted, <laughs> probably. Did lend us it to have the best chance to beat Stoke on that day, but obviously Norwich beat Villa anyway, didn't they? So yes, they did. Um, at Sharp's ninety eighth league goal for the Blades on one hundred and six in total, so pretty good chance he's going to get to hundred league goals this season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'd have thought so, yeah, or or at least like you know he's widely average at the club. He's going to get hundred goals, and he's inevitable now. Yeah, so his record for us. I sent you this, but for anyone who doesn't know, two hundred sixty three games, one hundred and six goals, and thirty three assists. Yeah, that is so impressive. I mean, if you just think of, I mean, the other thing there, of course, is is uh, that's been done. The the vast majority of that, because obviously it'll include um, uh, his previous spells with us as well, but the vast majority of that. Will be while he's in what is theoretically like the last couple of years of his career. I yeah, suppose, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so League One, he would have been what turning thirty, twenty nine, thirty, that kind of thing. Um, when we signed him, you think about what four years ago. Yep. Yeah, that's it. It was uh, Atkins signed in twenty fifteen. I don't think anyone realistically thought he'd still be with us in four years at all, let alone banging him in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing, you know that 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 goal every uh, well slightly over. Probably about one and a half games, isn't it? Um, two and a half games, sorry. Um, he, he's done it whilst being promoted through the league. So it's not like, I mean, you know, that'd be a good record if we'd just sat in League One for the last three or four seasons. But to do it yeah. in the league above and then the league above that, yeah. it, it's just, yeah. I, I and I've think... not got his starts up this season, but I'm pretty sure his goal ratio this season in terms of starts is. is... Unbelievable as well, isn't yeah, it? Some, only like three or four starts, I think. Yeah, yeah, so, I think, and, I think that's, um, that's about right. Yeah, yeah, scored uh, scored in three of our last four games. Obviously, got the winner against Reading um, in the midweek, uh, and this was his fourth goal in his last three games against Norwich as well. Um, he didn't play at the at Carrow Road. He scored two against them away last season, and what and the winner in the home game as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, another team to uh, to add to the long, long list of uh, Billy Sharp always scores against them. Good job, Billy. Yep. <laughs> is it, I mean, the thing is as well, I said it last week, that we all wanted him to stay in uh, in, in January. I don't think any of us thought he was going to be the you know the, the main striker uh, as the running goes in, but he's going to be, isn't he? He's got to be. Yeah, it's, I think... Yeah, the, the the fact that McBurney is, um, you know, is the kind of do all the hard yards type player yeah. at the moment. The the target man crossed with someone who can link play. Yeah, it affords us room for a like a pure finisher, which is what Sharp is, and that's not to, you know, dismiss the the rest of his play as well, which is also good. But yeah, we can almost afford to carry someone who just gets on the end of chances now, like a proper poacher, and obviously he's the he's the perfect example of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so his second half um, 
Stevens, I went off after half time. Sorry, I said before yeah. half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Osborne comes on. Um, yeah, I thought Osborne was really good again, and this is why I'm not worried about. I mean, I, I'd much rather, obviously, Stevens was fully fit and uh, and raring to go because it's been incredible to watch the season. But yeah, the, again, the value of the squad. Osborne comes in, does a really good job. He, he had. Um, yeah, he played half an hour and had six ball recoveries, and the most on the pitch was eight. So he was uh, he was very heavily yeah. involved, and obviously we were kind of defending for a good period of that as I well. I really like him. I really like like the tenacity of him and stuff, and the and the and the work rate. Right? I, I always knew he had that, but I really like. He seems to. I've when you see the cup games, it's hard, isn't it, to to know how good someone is because usually in the league cup early rounds, FA cup early rounds, we're normally abysmal because we yeah. make eleven changes and it's difficult. Really, really, out of all the, the, the fringe players, I think he's the one that I've been most impressed with. Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anyone uh, anyone obvious. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't class any Bessage, of the forwards. Freeman, you know, they've all added things. Yeah, but, Bessic is a good shout. But yeah, yeah. I, I just think Osborne, is in the in the league games that he's played and the cup game against Reading, mm. there's an argument to be said, you know, certainly in the last two, that he may have been the man of the match. I don't, I don't think he quite was again because he went on long enough against Norwich, but... You know, I think you in that second half performance, you were one of the better players on the pitch. Yeah, did uh, did a good job for sure, and uh, yeah, we're pretty well going to be well covered there if Stevens is indeed out for a few weeks, as is uh, as is reported. Um, so Norwich had that chance in the first half, as I mentioned, where um, it was a corner. Egan sort of went to head it clear and essentially headed it straight to Pookie, which is. Not advisable, generally. Um, but, uh, I, yeah. I think that look, that looks uh, that gets scrutinised a lot more. I think if this ends up in the bag of the net, but uh, he ends up smashing it against the post. That was a really, really good chance. I think it was a zero point five. Yeah, it was a point yeah. five xg chance, which is very, very high indeed. I think um, if that had gone to Pookie in November, that would have probably been the back of the net. It's easy to say, but he definitely snapped. I know you have to be quick, but. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I, it didn't seem to for me. I just think he lashed at it. It didn't didn't really have the 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 poise of a um, a confident striker. Maybe I'm being too harsh on him. People know more about strikers than I do. So, you know, I'm, I've never played in that position or stuff. But I don't know. I just felt that if that were a United player missing, I'd have been really disappointed. Well, I mean, we could just quickly segue into this. Actually, um, segue alarm there. Um, Wait. Yeah, <laughs> Pookie is on. It's on eleven Premier League goals. Uh, he has not scored a goal that wasn't a penalty since mid-December. Um, yeah. He scored six in the first four games, and then only three non-penalty goals in the next twenty-five. And he still has almost half of Norwich's total goals this season, which really says it all mm. about their predicament. But I mean that. Yeah, that is that is a bit of a slump, to be honest. I mean, you know, those yeah. goals at the start of the season, they still count, obviously. You know, yeah, yeah, It's course. still going to end the season yeah. in double figures. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say it's pretty unlikely at this point that any of United strikers are going in the season in double in double figures yeah. unless somebody goes on a tear. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I think that just kind of feeds back to what you were saying there. You know, he maybe is snatching at them a bit and just, yeah, not, not taking chances with the degree of accuracy and uh, efficiency that he was at the start of the season. And... Uh, yeah, that was that was definitely an example of it. Um, let's talk about the, uh, I guess the, the game's probably highlight moment outside of the goal, and that is this, the, the Dean Henderson show, I suppose. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I love Wilder's comments afterwards about how well he's just doing his job. You know, that's what he's in the team for. But yeah, yeah. I laughed out loud at that actually when I heard it. Yeah, where uh, where were you sat for this one actually? Uh, on the carp for this. Okay, so my... Yeah, my so I, think, ex- I, think, I think I think unusual, amazing view, unfortunately. 
Yeah, if you were in the Bramall Lane upper tier, you would have been in the uh, the box seat, I suppose. But my uh, yeah. my in the moment take on this was like, ah, oh, they've scored. Oh no, they've definitely scored. I have no idea what's happening, but Henderson's jumping around like an idiot, well, and the ball I, has been well, kicked you know, away. Probably, probably worse than you, because I had the worst seat in the entire ground, which was behind a pole that didn't say restrictive view. So uh, I was bang yeah, behind this pole, couldn't see a thing on that other end. I, I sort of moving around. And as the header, the, the, the initial header, I thought, well, that's in. And then I sort of slumped back. And then I just saw all I, I just sort of got the information from the Norwich fans jumping up. I'm like, oh, oh, yo, oh, you know. So <laughs> that's all I knew. And I looked like, to around, I was, what the hell happened there? Cause I, even the initial header, I thought, well, that's in. And I sort of, you know, to deflate it a little bit. And and then I just saw the Norwich fans jumping around. And I was like, why well, didn't go in? Oh, yo. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think I think even if you uh, even if you were sat with the Norwich fans, you would still be asking how on earth is that? Yeah, going? well, yeah. I'm watching it back on on video, and I'm thinking, how did that go in? <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a it's initial an uh, an initial header towards the bottom corner. Henderson gets and it's it's sort of flicked towards the corner, and Godfrey, I think it is, is sort of on the line. Is it Godfrey or Vranches? I can't remember. Ah, um, the Norwich player he, he diverts it. <laughs> Yeah, he diverts it even more towards goal. Henderson parries it. It bounces back. It gets kicked towards goal again. He, he manages to get himself up onto a knee to essentially kind of uh, put a hand in the way of it again. And then I think at some point mm. there's another save in here as well. And then eventually uh, McGoldrick wellies it against the crossbar and away. And yeah, Henderson bounces to his feet in celebration. It was it was one of them where it was it's sort of... Um, it wasn't like spectacular goalkeeping, you know. It's not like he sprinted across his goal no. and threw himself at one. But it's it's still incredible that he was, you know, the because the, they work on that kind of thing, don't you? In terms of like quick, quickly spring into your feet or, or spring into your knees. In this case, as it was, I mean, he had to flip his whole body from you know the left side to the right side and. The awareness to do that in just a few seconds and to get in the way of it, yeah. absolutely amazing. I mean. It just—I uh, I tweeted this after the game, but for England, it just comes down to: Do you want a goalkeeper who is slightly above average at passing the ball, or do you want the best goalkeeper at keeping the ball out of the damn net? And and he is yeah. the best goalkeeper at keeping it out of the net. That's that cannot be a debate at this point. Uh, I, 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 I might be wrong. Yeah, I think it might have been Ian Wright. It, it was somebody. I can't remember who it was, but he was saying that. Um, well, the thing is with Pickford is you know he's the number one. You don't want to drop your number one. Well, you, can, you do if he's playing crap. <laughs> Yeah, especially when you've got someone in such good form, uh, yeah. and, it, and obviously the 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 what we obviously we're chatting privately about Tyrone Mings as the uh, <laughs> our, our one man uh, vendetta against two man vendetta <laughs> against Tyrone Mings, uh, but yeah, we were talking about that, um, and again, yeah, you pick Mings, fair enough, he's he's, he's in the squad, he's probably a nice lad, he probably gets on with everyone. You cannot pick him above Jack O'Connell, and you cannot pick. Pickford above Henderson if you are trying to pick the best side yeah I mean I think I'm going to do it again uh, let's assume Euro 2020 goes ahead yeah. which uh, <laughs> seems uh, seems a joke at this point but yeah uh, let's, let's go with the, the hypothetical reality that it does go ahead um, a tournament is a high variance situation, I think, you know, because mm. it's you're to win the tournament, you need like six, seven games. Yeah, what do I want uh, out of that? I want to, you know, the goalkeeper that is going to 
produce a miracle save. I don't want the goalkeeper that's going to, oh, he can pass it 30 metres to a defender. Yeah. Like, congratulations. If you're trying to win a league, maybe that makes more sense. Yeah, and uh, you're trying to yeah, define a style of play as the season's going on. And Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, yeah if, you, if you're trying to win four games or something, then I think I want the one goalkeeper that has the potential to pull off a miracle, string of miracle saves and keep me in a yeah. tournament in an unbeaten thing. So, yeah, I think he's, uh, I think poor, I think, Unfortunately, the international friendlies are almost... I'd be astonished if they go ahead in a couple of weeks. So well, it's, that, uh, it's against Italy, isn't it, I think? Yeah, so that's, that is probably almost certainly going to go, um, which means yeah, that, that, that would probably be Henderson's chance to get in the team, I think. So, yeah, that may put pay to that. But anyway, uh, an unbelievable save, or a string of saves, I should say. Ten clean sheets now for the season, uh, which is, is very, very impressive, obviously, as a newly promoted yeah. side. Not... Not totally surprising, and I think we possibly could have had a few more, to be honest, mm. the way that we defended and given a few goals away. Um, I think it, it probably we should mention that if this had gone in, I do wonder if it had been disallowed, because it definitely looks like it hits Vrancic's hand when he's laid on the floor. So, yeah, yeah it, may have, it may have all been for naught, but uh, yeah. we, don't, we don't know that. No, exactly. And, you know, what, a, what it was an amazing moment. I, I think... You got to match us for goals, and this is why I've always argued like VAR should be used differently because that's what we go for. But that is that it's every bit as good as a goal, isn't it? Just the, the way it happened, oh, yeah. everyone in the ground thought that was in everybody, probably including Anderson. And for that sort of split second, I think everyone in our fam, you know, were watching it went oh, one all, and yeah. to, it's almost like getting a goal back. You know, it's not quite the West Ham scenario, but I think it's that big of a thing that it's like getting an extra goal, and it was cheered like that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, you know, I was watching the, um, it's on our YouTube and it just like is a little montage of saves that he's made this season. And then his beautiful dive at the end. (laughs) Oh my word, yeah. Yeah, well, we should mention that actually while we're talking about Henderson, yeah. Buendia shooting from, uh, shooting from Barnsley. I mean, what on earth was he Uh, thinking? You know, when that happened, he got the ball and I was like on edge, you know, heart pounding and stuff, thinking it's last minute of the game. And then he shot, and I just, I was, I was quite mad as <laughs> a United fan. So why is he shot from? What's he doing? It's yeah, so it's a terrible away. shot. I'd love to I don't know, know how what many. Were yeah, I'd like no. to see what Fark said after that. To be fair. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd love to know how many shots have been taken from uh, from further away than that this season that haven't been when the goalkeeper's like gone up for a corner or something. Um, I just last it, minute, everyone's panicking a little bit. Defence, naturally, you know, it's the last minute of the game. You pump a ball yeah. in, don't you, just to see if you can cause a bit of rap. You don't shoot from 90 yards out. <laughs> yeah, and it, it dribbles yeah. miles wide. And Henderson does a fantastic flop of a save and then uh, gets up with a big grin on his face. I absolutely love that. I just... It just reminds me of, um, you know, when you think back to the, the terrible errors he's made at time, you know, the, the Aston Villa meltdown, the Leeds yeah. won a couple of seasons, um, last, last season, season rather, yeah. where he passed it straight to uh, Hernandez, I think it was, on the wing. And um, obviously Liverpool this season, and he, you know, he, he obviously feels those as like terrible errors, but then he still has the confidence and the sort of, borderline arrogance I suppose to be like oh, I'm, I'm I'm just going to take the mick a little bit here you know it, it's almost like that thing of well 
I'm, I know I'm going to take a load of stick when I make a mistake, so I might as well enjoy myself all the rest of the time. And yeah. I think that's that's such a, like a really underrated attitude for yeah. a goalkeeper to have. I think. Yeah, I know great. some I mean, people look at that. Also, Norwich fans call him cocky, and, and I, yeah. I know that we might. have Some of our fans probably said the same in, in you know separate circumstances, but oh, it's good to have a character, isn't it, in football? It's yeah. I think I mean, when Billy Sharp was shushing the fans or whatever we were doing after, I saw someone on Twitter, just a, a neutral, van, neutral fan saying, oh, Billy Sharp, you don't need to do that. Why can't we have more sportsmanship? Shut up. That's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. It's like that. I don't mind at all when Jamie Vardy scored and, and stood in front of our cup or when Jordan Rose did it last season. It's mm. part of it. It's, a, it's an amazing pantomime. It's fantastic. It makes for, the, for a, a much more sort of fan-engrossed sort of uh, experience as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Henderson, he is cocky. That's why he's a good goalkeeper. Yeah. He has, like, ridiculous self-belief. That's, I mean, of all the... I would say out of pretty much all the positions in any sport, a goalkeeper to be cocky is is a wonderful trait to have, I think, without, you know, without him trying to, you know, dribble around three players when he gets the ball or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking about I've been on a bit of a tangent, but you see what Atletico Madrid tweeted? No, I didn't. Last night. Like uh, Liverpool put our Champions League runs come to an end, and the official Atletico Madrid uh, account put uh, better luck next time, Liverpool. We'll we maybe send you a postcard from Turkey. Which <laughs> <laughs> is a bit like unnecessarily uh, baiting, but yeah, fair play yeah. to them. That's uh, that's a Simeone team for you, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I, I can't help but love Diego Simeone, which is is insane yeah. because. Uh, I just I loathed him in the nineties when uh, you know the whole Beckham red card thing, like absolute scum. And then he, uh, I think he did Beckham's metatarsal, didn't he? Playing for someone whose mind it might even have been Atletico actually when uh, Beckham was at Man United. It was before Mm. whatever the next tournament. I don't know whether it was Euro two thousand or um, whether it was like World Cup two thousand two or something like that. But anyway, that definitely happened. But I just yeah can't help but can't help but respect Simeone for some bizarre reason. Um, Yeah. So yeah, we uh, we held out pretty comfortably, particularly once Buendia decided to shoot from uh, from miles away, um, and got another win, completed the double over Norwich. As I said, let's let's quickly talk about Norwich themselves. I mean, what's your, what's your overall impressions on on them? I mean, they are almost yeah. certainly going down. We we talked about even if they won this game, they were almost certainly going down. But yeah, what, did any you know? This is the second time you've obviously seen them against mm. us what's what was your impressions based on that put it away i think if they were in the championship with that team now they'd win it i, I really yeah. do think that. i think that they are maybe a bit harsh on leeds leeds are a really good side but we know you know their mentality maybe not what it could be but I, I really do think that they are a really really good side who are pretty poor in both boxes which is football unfortunately i think yeah. you could argue that they play better football than us you could argue they've got more technically gifted players but you can't argue that we're better in both boxes. The, the numbers are there. For all their attacking play last season, and they scored loads of goals and really exciting to watch, it's just not transferred, has it, to the to the top flight? It hasn't. Um, and I think I think we kind of expected that, didn't we? We thought they obviously they wouldn't be as good uh, in attack and we thought their defence would be worse. But it's, it's sort of... <laughs> it's almost like both of them are much worse than I expected, I suppose, as much as I did think they would drop off. I mean... Yeah, I think that's that's it essentially that they they're ineffective at the the areas where it, it matters. I mean, you know, they beat our press so well in the in the second half particularly, you know, when we did step onto them a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, sort of around 70 minutes onwards. 
that was some of the some of the best play I've seen from a team coming to Bramall Lane this season. The yeah. way they pa- the way they passed through us while we were really running onto them was mm. really impressive. But then, you know, as soon as they got within like thirty yards, forty yards, they play a pass and Egan had intercept it, or Basham had yeah. tackle it away, or O'Connell had head it straight to one of our players, and you're just like, well, you know, that was. That was brilliant. What you just did—you just took six of our players out of the t- out of the game, essentially, with your passing. Yeah. But but now we've got the ball back. And well, you, this is, I remember when we first got promoted to the championship, and Wilder often said, "We're a great box-to-box team, but we're not great in both boxes," and that sort of sums up Norwich fantastically, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we the played only beautiful group- football under Wilder in that first season, where we dom- you remember we dominated games and missed chance after chance, then we'd let a. Yeah. a crappy last minute goal in or a, a, just a poor goal from a set piece or whatever and that's that's Norwich yeah essentially is yeah I mean ultimately you know for all the kind of possession that they had they had two chances that came from corners and then there was just that Jamal Lewis one uh, near the end of the game which was a pretty comfortable save for Henderson um, their away form I've got to mention this I tweeted this the other day it's unbelievably bad I, I didn't realise how bad it was until I saw this Six points from 15 games and only six goals. No other team is in single figures for away goals this season. I were amazed by that start, genuinely, because you don't, you, I don't think of them like that at all. No, I mean, the comparison that I made with um, was with us the last time we were in the Premier League, where we only, yeah. scored, we only scored eight goals, uh, and that was obviously in, uh, in 19 away games. But we surrendered <sighs> in so many of those games. I mean, we I were, we were say, you can't, I don't think we you can yeah, we didn't try to win, and I'm not even like so I'm not saying that as a, a a sensational comment. There were games where we took it on the chin, didn't we? And we said, "Well, right, that's it. We're, we're, what a day out!" You know, these Warnock still said it last season when we were in Cardiff, like they played City. And he goes, "Well, we're not going to stay up with uh, these sort of games, so we're just going to play the under twenty threes and blah blah blah." And obviously, there's a bit of mentality about that where he's saying it to put the pressure off his players. But at the same time, it does get. We definitely lined up against the likes of Liverpool away with absolutely no intention of getting anything from the game. Or not intention, but you know, we it was just like, well, forget some whatever. Yeah, and I don't think Norwich do that. Then. Norwich have taken the game. Norwich have had a go at anyone, aren't they? Everyone from what I've seen. They have, but but it's been so ineffective. Six and this is this I is mean... the incredible thing about it with us. I think we were that Sheffield United team under Warnock was a poor Premier League, technically poor team. I don't think we had the players who could pass it around. We had Montgomery, Tong and stuff. They were, you know, they were, they were decent players and stuff. This Norwich team is a good, technically good side and mm-hmm. they're getting worse results at the moment than that team did. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how to uh, how to explain that. And I think that's, um, I mean, I'm not trying to pick a fight with uh, Norwich fans here, but I think that's a, an easy counter-argument to, you know, the ones that say things like, we're, you know, we're playing a style of football that's, uh, you know, going to be successful in the long run. Well, it, it might be in the lower league, but it's it's not in the Premier League at the moment. You need to, you know serious upgrades at both ends. Yeah, of the, pitch, the, the most, I mean, the reason it took me so long to get the view from this week is the noise for the main noise forum were down. Um, so I just got most of the things off Twitter and stuff like that. Then it came back up. Uh, I think it was Sunday night, Monday morning, or Monday night, whatever. And like one of the the comments, which obviously didn't include the view from, was I still believe that we're f- further ahead of them in our journey. It's like, well, well how how yeah, can you think that? I mean. You're playing all right football. You're not Brazil, and you're rubbish. You're terrible in both boxes. I don't understand how you can possibly. And to be fair, he did get called out by his own fans. 
Yes. <laughs> which, which, uh, so they're not, not all the same. Not surprising. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Do you think they'll, will they equal or surpass our, uh, our eight goals from 19 games? What do you reckon? I think they will. I think, I think they've got two... They, <sighs> I, yeah, I do. I think I can imagine, you know, they're a sort of team who can possibly score against anyone, even if it's not happening at the moment. And I think, mm. yeah, I think they will. I think they will. What Maybe. about yourself? Are you going to have a, a cheeky bet? Well, I was going to say, if they do, then they will be a, they'll be scoring at a rate that's higher than what they've done so far. But it is only a couple of goals. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's always a few random games at the end of the season. This is here when people have like, sort of, yeah, 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 yeah. But when people have sort of give up and they've got nothing to play for, yeah. Yeah, I remember West Brom drew like five all with Man yeah. United, didn't they that time? So. I remember it, City lost seven one to Middlesbrough as well. One last game of yes. one season. Uh, yeah, not to talk about fantasy football too much because it's boring. <laughs> but uh, inex- inexplicably, that was, uh, or, or rather ridiculously, it's still talked about with, among some of my friends. But that that single handedly won the fantasy league that I was in for my brother who the, you know that, reason... uh, this is boring again but we, we had a fantasy league and um, I was like three points behind it we went to FA Cup final when Arsenal beat Villa 4-0 mm. and um, I was behind and then Giroud scored with the last kick of the game and he like, and I, I went mad I won't like, <laughs> like the uh, fantasy league just on that one goal last kick of the season it's like probably my greatest <laughs> ever moment that to be honest <laughs> uh, my, my brother really liked Alfonso Alves who played for Middlesbrough I have no idea why it's right just, it's an interesting it's, one yeah. <laughs> he just uh, thought he was a really good player and uh, he wasn't a very good player no. but then he scored five goals in that game and uh, and he was obviously in his fantasy team and that was enough to <laughs> overtake my mate and put him into into pole position on yeah. the last game of the season how on earth did we get to that oh yeah we're talking about away goals okay cool um, yeah. any other well actually let, let's uh, let's uh, transition to alternative man of the match and we can just tick off a few individuals in this one so brought to you by the Denblades fanzine who are a sponsor of this podcast you already mentioned your your nominee. Do you want to uh, just just set it out, set the case again for this one? Yeah, to be honest, I was going to go Chris Basham because I just thought that he is going so far. I just feel like he's going under the radar and his performances are, in my opinion, putting him in contention for the player of the season with just how consistent he's being. And like I say, every week he's, he's 7 or 8 out of 10 and, he, and he's not getting the sort of praise I don't feel that uh, a lot of other players who are more what's the word sort of uh, they stand out more for whatever reason with goals or assists yeah. and tricks or whatever but I think it's got to be Stevens based purely on today's news that he signed a contract so that's amazing news um, and he's probably he's going to well we've got the best years of his career with us you know he's mm. he's every bit as good as I think he's he's got to be in the top five or six left backs aren't he or wing backs or whatever this year in the Premier League left hand side I think so, yeah. He's, um, he's actually our most creative player from open play as well. I've seen this quite a few times this season, uh, in the last couple of weeks, sorry. The um, uh, number of chances created and expected assists, he's, uh, he's the one at the top for us, which is, is impressive from you know where he was a couple of years ago. So this is what yeah. we do in it. We, we reward players who, who do well for us. Um, you know, Occasionally that's not worked out so well with like yeah. Clark's contract, which means he's basically going to eventually retire in 20 years as a Sheffield United player um, but yeah this is, it's very uh, very richly deserved for Ender Stevens for sure um, yeah just on Basham I mean he, he was he was excellent in this game um, that moment you mentioned the Gaza flick over the top of the defender and then, oh, if, <laughs> yeah. if only he'd picked out somebody with the cross it would have been I'm going to say I still can't work out whether he shot or cross or whatever it was just like a yeah 
If oh. I mean, everyone would just... I mean, he, he, Billy Sharp's completely unmarked as well in, in the area. Oh, I, uh, when I watched it again, I was like, oh, you just like you did the really hard thing. Why didn't you just pass it six yards yeah. to an unmarked yeah. striker? It would have been amazing. But yeah, he, he was everywhere, I thought. Um, second most successful dribbles on the pitch, joint most interceptions, most clearances, most header clearances, joint most defensive aerial duels won. As you say, he's, um, he has almost gone under the radar a bit, but he, he genuinely has to be in the conversation for player of the season. I mean, who would you, who would you pick right now? I'd probably go Fleck yeah. right now. I just think he's I just think he's been our most sort of... I, I won't say important player, but I think he's been the most impressive player. He's, he's stepped up like like it's nothing. And I yeah. think that he's he's been fantastic in all but about two or three games. So I think I would go Fleck, but do you know what? We could be here all day, can't we? We could go through an entire team, mm-hmm. really. I think so, Egan's got a shout. O'Connell's been consistent as anyone... Basham, obviously, just mentioned Stevens. Baldock's been unbelievable. It's just, just the team. Give it to the entire team. <laughs> Same as last season, really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like eight or nine players, genuinely. Well, yeah. yeah. Like, obviously, last season, McGoldrick won it, didn't they? And I think that, mm. you know, we we should have like we realistically could have had like twenty awards or something like that last season <laughs> for the Player of the Year, and it going to be same this year as well, isn't it? This season as well. Yeah, I think so. I'd go Fleck as well. It's, I didn't really realize how good a game Fleck had until United did a little montage of his, his best bits and alright you can generally pull one of those together for pretty much everybody from any game but so many lovely passes lovely bits of skill tenacity to sort of shrug someone off and oh, he's, he's so good to watch at the moment I'm like when I go to Bramall Lane at the minute I'm like 90% going to watch Sheffield United 10% going to watch John, John Fleck like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. and I, I don't well, think, I think I've ever I, had that before with a, with a single player on the Four Blades pod with Carl Bradshaw, which is worth a listen, by the way, they were saying, um, I can't remember which who said it, actually, but one of them said uh, that John Fleck's arguably the best player he's ever seen in his lifetime. Carl Bradshaw will like, talk about Tony Curry and stuff, and yeah, I think he's getting to a point where you, you, it's a genuine sort of shout. He's, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, he's, he's so good. I mean, I love that clip. I think it's, uh, I don't know if it's Buendiri, basically, uh in basketball it would be like a crossover and he just basically snaps his ankles leaves him on yeah. the floor absolutely incredible yeah so good so good to watch um my nominee this week for alternative man of the match is david mcgoldrick for a monster of a goal line clearance which i think almost because it's yeah, kind of hard yeah. to hard to process what happened really it all happened so fast but Kind of skirted under the radar a little bit. I think you could unkindly say that um, you know he's been so good at missing the goal this season that this was pretty par for the course that he was able to somehow clear the bar from basically under it. Yeah, only I think only a mean person would say that. So <laughs> I, I'm definitely not going to say that. Um, no, it's look- obviously overlooked massively as well. You know that that clearance. If it wasn't there, it's in. So yeah, I mean that's that is. You kind of said it earlier with Henderson, but that is as good as a goal, the fact that he did mm-hmm. that, because it, it would have been a goal if he'd not been there to kick it away. Um, I loved United's Twitter saying like non- how he nonchalantly walks across the goal, like completely overlooking the fact that if he hadn't been stood there, then uh, somebody would have been offside in the first header anyway. And then possibly striding across goal, like taking your own time about it, is uh, it's, it's not the best way to defend it. But hey, he was in the right place at the right time. He spent the whole season being in the right place at the right time and missing the goal. So yeah. he managed to, managed to pull it off again here. So well done, McGoldrick. You got your first uh, first goal of the season midweek. <laughs> and uh, that was a, a pretty decisive contribution as well in this one. But yeah, I like I like uh, Ender Stevens as a shout, mate. As, uh, you know, it's good to be good to be up with current events and that new contract till 
2023 is uh, is great news indeed. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> willing to give it to Ender the Defender for this one. Um, so that was the alternative man of the match brought to you by the Denblades fanzine. Uh, the first edition of this year is actually out this month and looks at the present and past of the Blades. Features interviews with Michael Doyle, Neil Collins, Seth Bennett, and many more. Tons of great features written by Blades. For Blades, you can... Blades, not Blaze. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, you can pre-order issue five and subscribe for the whole of this year by visiting denblades.co.uk. So please go and do so. Um... Very quickly, mate, I'll let you go shortly, but uh, Newcastle this weekend, I've got an interview with uh, another Andy, who's weirdly the last three people I've spoken to on Skype, <laughs> all all for Sheffield United purposes, and are all called Andrew, so I don't know quite what's going on there, yeah, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> Andrew Pod, um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm dreading this game. <laughs> I, just, I do know I what you mean completely. Yeah, I was so relieved that we didn't draw Newcastle in the FA Cup. I just don't yeah. want to see this team ever again. I mean, as it happens, it sounds like they're getting slightly more expansive the last few games. I just, I don't understand how they've got so many points. They've just, I mean, this is from a few weeks ago. I'm just going to rattle these off. Um, and I think Villa have actually, and this is a measure of how bad Villa have been recently. I think they've replaced Newcastle with some of these, but. These are the rankings provided by uh, Mark O'Hare, who is a, I think he's a, um, a tipster at We Love Betting, but a, a good follow on Twitter. So this is where Newcastle rank for all these metrics this season. Number of shots, 20th. Shots on target, 20th. Shots in the box, 20th. XG, 20th. XG from open play, 20th. Touches in the box, 20th. Deep completions, 20th. Possession, 20th. And they've scored 50% of their goals from set pieces. So that's from a couple of weeks ago. That's astonishing. They should have like five points this season. They should be this year's <laughs> Derby County, Huddersfield, whatever. They have 35 points. They just went and won at Southampton. They're definitely going to be in the Premier League next season. Well, definitely with like 99% certainty. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know how. I don't want to I just, yeah. I can just so see this being a game that we look brilliant in and lose 1-0. Well, obviously the goal is out, and he's been by far the best player this season. Yeah, is it a coincidence that they're on about cancelling the league for a month after that? So he's, he's got something over everyone, Bruce. I don't know, it's some sort of magical powers that when everything's like going wrong, you'll come up with a goal or you even get the season postponed by seeming like so. <laughs> <laughs> The ultimate Steve Bruce voodoo. He's done it yeah. again. Yeah. It's, so, so yeah, so it's obviously good news that he's out because he's, he's been absolutely... I mean, he's probably the main reason why they are where they are. Yeah. I agree completely. Uh, I don't believe we've scored in our last three games against Steve Bruce managed teams, and we've been pretty comprehensively shut down. I mean, we should have scored against Newcastle in that first. Is game. Is that true? Because we beat well, Villa four one, didn't we? Have we played? Was there not two Wednesday? Did he only manage one derby? He only managed with one derby. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for fact checking that one for me. Yeah. Um, not all doom and gloom. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Okay. The last two times did a very comprehensively defensive job on us. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, interesting to see if uh, if we manage to crack the crack the code in this one. Uh, yeah. what, what's your feelings about it? I think it might be a nil-nil draw, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I can really, really... We're not scoring loads at the moment. They just don't score at all, no. basically. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's going to be a... I think it'll be a... I think it might be a really dull game, actually. I really do. I, think I can that, see it being but, that, yeah. Yeah, I think they'll do what they normally do and sit back. We'll 
pro- will not be as sort of forward thinking as you might be at home. We've got our way of playing away, obviously, and stuff. And it's not all out attack, is it, or anything like that. We, we we try and break and stuff and create overloads and whatever, which is going to be difficult if they're sitting. So I think, I've, honestly, I can't see past a nil nil. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if there's more than two goals in this yeah. game for sure. Um, although it's hardly a bold claim because, as I say, Newcastle never score, and we are. A team that generally uh, wins or draws. Where wins by a single goal or, or draws. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, no. Yeah. Get, get it on your coupon this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be another point towards um, European qualification. Yes. At some point. Um, and let's let's wrap it up there before we get too much into uh, doomsday scenarios. Oh, no, yeah, it's horrible, isn't it? it really, really is. There is. It's just horrible. I mean, obviously, we're not going to go about the yeah, specifics of the what's going on, but in terms of just purely on a football sense, just a shadow hanging over everything, isn't there? There is, yeah. And uh, as, as you're kind of uh, hinting there, I mean, it's uh, obviously not the most important thing whatsoever. But it's yeah. uh, from a purely football fan point of view, it's, it's a very weird time. I mean, I, I watched the... Uh, Liverpool game last yeah, night, yeah. and uh, it was. I've got to say, it was quite nice to be distracted by football. I yeah. when the, when I saw like, I mean, I, I flicked on just before it kicked off, and just seen like the teams doing the sort of uh, you know pre-match ceremony type stuff, and I was yeah. just like, oh, just switch my brain off from this for night. This minutes. is. So I mean, obviously, I've been ill, so I've not really left my bedroom for what, like, three or four days or whatever. So you can't listen. You can't even. I've thought listen to talk sport. Oh, the coronavirus is a bit. Like, oh, I can't do anything. I can't. Everything's bringing it up. So, which is understandable. It's the biggest thing of the day. It's a really serious issue and stuff. And yeah, and I think that's going to be. The, I think with the football thing is yeah. If people are you know going to lose lives and stuff, you, you, there's miles more important things. But I think from a foot, it's one of the few things that people have got that they can football where they can switch off from everything. You know. Yes, uh, indeed. In, in, so... every, in every situation, so. We'll uh, we'll see what happens. We'll you know maybe this podcast becomes pretty dated, but we will see. Um, mm. I suppose in the event that there is a uh, suspension of the season, we do have some stuff that we were planning for the international yeah. break anyway. So fret not. We will we will be back with more Bladespod content, regardless. But but hopefully we will be talking again on uh, on Monday, and you will be fully recovered from uh, from your bug. And, yeah, uh, let's hope so. Yeah. Yeah, so. and uh, we'll it's be talking about weary, which is my probably not been on my top-notch analysis today. There, <laughs> oh, strong disagree. <laughs> been in fine form as always, <laughs> and um, yeah, hopefully we'll be talking about yet another win for them blades as they march towards Europe, which is still a very, very surreal situation. March towards Europe does seem the best uh, policy at this moment in time. <laughs> yeah, quite. Let's <laughs> let's leave it there, mate. Um, where can people check out the view from Newcastle when it when it lands? I'll be landing it tomorrow, all being well. Uh, Roy's view from uh, uk or follow me on Twitter at Panchero. Good man. All right, mate. I'll uh, I'll catch up with you later. Go and uh, go and rest up, I get will some do. fresh I'll, air, yeah, and, uh, and chill out. And yeah. I will speak to you later, no doubt. Cheers, mate. Thank you. All right, I'm very pleased to be joined now by Andy from Gallagher Shorts. Andy, how you doing? I'm doing very well, mate. How are you? I'm very good as well, thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, to this weekend's game. Well, sort of looking forward to it. I know we just talked separately, and I gave you a, a fairly negative prediction from a, a United <laughs> perspective, but I guess we can uh, I guess we we'll get to that in a moment. Um, so the season is uh, is I guess approaching its its uh, well its, its climax, I suppose, with uh, ten games to go 
Newcastle sitting pretty nicely on 37 points, got a win at the weekend against Southampton. Um, how would you rate Newcastle's season so far? Has it been uh, has it been what you expected, better than expected, more of a struggle? Um, I think in a word, acceptable would be the word <laughs> I would use. Um, it's been, from a points point of view, great because we're staying up. That's all we can really aim for under Mike Ashley, unfortunately. Performance-wise, we're always last on the bill on match of the day. I don't know why Sky Sports because anymore. We're awful to watch. So, you know, we've, we've had some good runs in the league. We've had some really big wins. That You know, the, the win away at your place last time was very enjoyable just for how hilarious our goal was, personally. Um, but, yeah, it, it's been OK. Um, we I expected us to go down um, based purely on the fact that we lost Rafa and replaced him with Steve Bruce, which is such a massive downgrade. It's ridiculous, really. And the fact that we never really improved our squad other than players who were unproven and they haven't really proven themselves still. Mm. So, yeah, I would say better than expected from a, a points point of view, but performance-wise, you know, pretty grim. <laughs> does that um, does that bother you, the performance thing? I mean, it, it, at the end of the season, if say you finish on, I don't know, let's say 41 points or something like that, are you just like, yeah, that was that's fine, move on, bring on next season? Or are you are you of the kind of mindset of like, I want to see... I want to see better football and maybe, you know, even if it means we lose a few more games or something like that. Well, yeah, it's a tricky one, that, because you look at a team like Norwich, who we talked about previously, and you think, well, they play great football, but they're never going to stay up. Mm. <laughs> so it's a fine balance, really. Obviously, the the whole enjoyment of football is sitting and watching it. Yeah. So if we just decided that we would stay up at the start of the season, um, but no games of football were ever played, then it's a bit pointless, really, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, we get, the, you know, there are some Newcastle fans who want us to play swashbuckling Kevin Keegan football and others who are happy just to, you know, check final score at the end of the day and make sure that we got the win. I, I'm kind of a bit, a bit of both. Mm. I don't expect us to play incredible football, but at the same time, I don't want us to play awful football if that makes sense yeah. you know I just like us to be a, a run of the mill team who plays some decent football every now and then you can enjoy it um, and, and recently and we'll probably come to this I suspect um, we have changed our tactics slightly we've been a bit more exciting to watch because it was essentially just flat back five hopefully get a, a one nil or a nil nil <laughs> yeah um, I mean what's your what's your feelings on on Steve Bruce how he's always done I mean he kind of joined the club under uh I don't know if it was a bit of a cloud, but from from the outside, it didn't seem like he was the most popular choice. Um, certainly, as, as you kind of mentioned, it is you know a pretty big downgrade from Rafa, who, who did a fantastic job there and was was very well liked from what I could tell. So, yeah, what, what's your what's your feelings on uh, on Steve Bruce? Well, when he was appointed, there was a collective sigh across all of Tyneside. I think <laughs> uh, it was kind of just like our oh, typical one really we were all kind of expecting an Alan Kerbishley or another Pardew someone like that so it was no surprise at all when he was appointed um, I actually think he's a really good a really decent bloke I mean you might not um, agree um, I don't know what his history is with Sheffield United but um, not great you know, no <laughs> I didn't think it was um, he, he comes across as a, a decent bloke but he tactically is, is a dinosaur um, and it's really hard to judge him because he has got the results, despite how awful we have been for large parts of the season. He has kept us up, probably, touch wood. 
So you know, I, I do, I do like him. Uh, I just think there's times where he's out of his depth, and you know, you do, he does panic here because under Rafa, uh, I know we can't get too caught up on Rafa because it's it's happened unfortunately. But <laughs> under Rafa, you knew even when we were going through a bad run, he knew exactly what he needed to do to fix that team, uh, and you knew that he was fighting for the fans and you know fighting to make Newcastle the best it could be. Whereas you do get with Steve Bruce, you know, just even the cup run, you know is absolutely sort of invaluable to us we haven't had a quarter final for 15 years or whatever it was mm. so he does get the club but at the same time you do think he was he's a lot more likely to be a yes fan to Ashley when things start sort of going wrong so um I think a lot of us are undecided on him but he is doing a little bit to win people over hmm. fair enough how have you got in the cup actually I can't remember it's Man City at home. <laughs> well, I mean, of uh, yeah. actually, of, of all the teams to give Man City a game, you've uh, you've certainly We've actually got them. a really good record against them. It's weird. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I bet they were not too uh, too pleased to see that one come out. Just, I'm wondering if the last time you got to a quarter final was also the last time that we met in an FA Cup semi final, which was in 1998, I believe. So, could be on the cards again for a, a reunion. Just be at, at Wembley this time, I suppose. You, uh, well, you're, you're probably the one team I wouldn't want to play in the FA Cup, to be honest, <laughs> where you're playing at the minute. But yeah, uh, maybe get ahead of ourselves, maybe a little bit there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned it there, but uh, from my point of view, you you are going to be safe this season. I mean, um, 37 points, as I say, I, I don't see teams at the bottom getting to that total. So I, I think you could probably lose every single game and still stay up. To be honest, certainly, certainly one win will seal it, and a couple of draws should should basically um yeah mm-hmm. do the job as well um so what what do your hopes for next season look like i mean you've got to imagine that uh i mean it'd be, it'd be pretty radical for bruce to be replaced i suppose in the summer in in like hopes of finding somebody to kind of take you to the next level but yeah what 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 do your hopes for next season look like well, the use of the word hope is quite a, a difficult one with Newcastle fans because we've been sort of devoid of hope for so long now. I don't mean to be too depressing on, on your podcast, but uh, under Ashley, the number one goal is stay in the Premier League and keep that nice TV money rolling in. So it's really hard to sort of anticipate what we're going to be doing the next season. It'll probably be more of the same. Um, we've managed to sign Richie and Shelby up to new contracts, which is a bit of a change from the status quo for Newcastle because when players get to sort of 28, 20, we tend to just flog them on and then buy some new young talent to then flog in a couple of years like Perez so uh, yeah it'll probably be more of the same um, I know we get, we're going to probably get on to how we've done recently but you know there has been a bit of an improvement under Bruce in recent weeks so you know, for next season, I suspect it'll just be, um, you know, if the standard of the league is fairly similar, we'll be looking just to stay up and maybe go on a half-decent cup run. But again, we can't really aspire to more than that at the minute. Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's cast our minds back as much as it as much as it pains me to do so to uh, the previous <laughs> doesn't, meeting. Doesn't pain me. <laughs> <laughs> the previous meeting between the two clubs at Bramall Lane uh, last year. It was a 2-0 win for Newcastle. It was a very frustrating game for a United fan. Um, you know, we conceded from basically the first attack that Newcastle had. We peppered the goal. Uh, Dubravka was fantastic. And then we conceded a, well, somewhat controversial second, shall we say. <laughs> uh, and the game fizzled out as a, a, a you know, fairly impressive 2-0 win for Newcastle, to be honest. What was, uh, what was your feelings after that first game? I imagine very, very different to my own. 
<laughs> well, after the laughter died down of that <laughs> VAR call, uh, that was a massive win for us. I know at the time you guys were on a seven, uh, seven, six or seven game unbeaten run. So, the, the, you know, all of the cards were against us really in that game. I didn't expect us to go there and do anything. But the, the old um, Rafa slash old Bruce tactic of putting every man behind the ball and hopefully nicking it with one of your talented players did actually do the job really well that time. Um, Dubravka, unfortunately, is injured now. He might be out for the rest of the season. Yeah, so you've no longer got Superman <laughs> throwing himself around. He's been ridiculous this he's year. He's fantastic, yeah. He, he's great. Thing. He has a couple of ropey moments, um, like a lot of keepers do. But as a shot stopper, he, it's like having Shea given back. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous how good he is. Yes. Uh, so it'll probably be Carl Darlow or Rob Elliott. Um, back in back in in goal, but yeah, that that game, uh, I thought we did, we did okay. We shut up shot really well. I we think managed the game pretty well. Saint Maximin scored probably the only header he'll ever score in his entire career, which is just unlucky for you guys. And yeah, that that goal, um, as I said when we spoke earlier, that it you know your team stopped and we didn't and you know that's the only mistake you made really but when you're a professional footballer and you see the flag go up you had wired just to stop playing and I think that was you know just unfortunate that you were the team that that had to happen to really because it was an absolute joke that that was allowed to stand yeah. when the whole team stops it just shows that VAR's not really being used correctly there and I can imagine how raging you were at the end of it yes indeed well we, we don't stop anymore I don't think we're very much uh, we play to the whistle and then uh, and then play on some more I think so just to make yeah, sure just um, to make sure yeah yeah what, what what have you made of uh, Sheffield United this season? Obviously, only seen as uh, only seen as against Newcastle once, but yeah, have you have you seen much of us? Um, I've seen a lot of John Lundstrom for fantasy football purposes, but that's <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you're great, aren't you? I mean, not, not, <laughs> not to bad. blow too much smoke up yet on your own podcast, but you've been you've been great. Um, I know from speaking to you that you were tipped to go down this year. I knew nothing about Sheffield United. I was basically looking at you through the lens of previous Sheffield United teams I knew and I suspected you were just going to be a bog-standard British side who just put 4-4-2 out and tried to nick wins and hoy the ball long. Whereas when you actually watch it, you're tactically very astute, your defence is brilliant, um, you know, you've got people... <laughs> who you wouldn't have had a clue who the, I don't think I could have named a single player in your starting 11 other than maybe Billy Sharp hmm. and now you've you know I know Stevens, Baldock, Egan you know the keeper Henderson I know he's not your player but he's brilliant as well Lundstrom, Fleck you know Musa I can list all of them now and I think that's a credit to how well you guys have done and the fact that you're knocking on the door of Europe despite the fact that you know there are some teams who that those sort of second tier teams like Arsenal Man United Spurs who are struggling a bit you know you've still got to take your opportunity while it's there and you know you're very much in for a European place and given what's happened with City could be a Champions League place which I, I really would love you guys to do it because I think it would be great for football <laughs> it would be uh, it would be hilarious a sort of hilarious, oh, yes. hilarious, hilarious, well. <laughs> hilarious season yeah um, alright let's look ahead to the game this weekend then I mean we talked a little bit about um, yeah that kind of five at the back, the really defensive try and try and get a goal from one of the quality players um, in the previous game. But um, as you kind of you kind of alluded to, uh, Newcastle and Bruce shifting to something slightly more expansive in recent weeks and uh, got the dividends this weekend against Southampton. Do you want to just uh, just talk us through that? Do you? I mean, yeah. I guess the question is, I suppose, can we expect a similarly defensive kind of um, setup from Newcastle or is it going to be is it probably going to be a bit different now 
it's probably going to be different. Um, Bruce, as essentially when he came in, adopted Benitez's tactic, which was flat back five, pace up front, and try and you know sort of steal every game. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, that tactic worked for large parts of the season. We were getting a lot of one nils, a lot of good draws away from home, things like that. The reverse fixture is the prime example of that. Um, but eventually, our luck ran out. The the sort of the constant was that we would never have the ball. We were bottom, I think we were the least possession of any team in Europe. We are bottom of all of the major statistics in terms of creating chances, scoring, doing anything exciting. <laughs> um, so eventually our luck ran out. The one variable was whether or not we won the game and then we went through a, a rotten run where all of a sudden we, you know, um, we're losing. So Bruce already tried to change his tactics once in the season. First time he did it away at Leicester and we got oh, yeah. absolutely destroyed. Um, that was probably not helped by Isaac Hayden breaking someone in half <laughs> halfway through the game. But... <laughs> Um, he's now reverting back to instead of it being a five at the back two mid, two centre midfielders who sit right in front of the defence and then three up front stood isolated it's now more of a sort of standard 4-2-3-1 which a lot of managers play now which has definitely helped us it got us three goals in the FA Cup at West Brom a game I was at which was very hairy towards the end but we still <laughs> did dominate for large parts of it and we actually managed to keep they had the line share of possession for a game this season which is ridiculous for us mm. and Southampton away we look really dangerous again benefited from a red card but we're actually managing to link the play up between the back four and the forwards which we haven't been able to do all season so mm. I can't see him changing it now because it's actually going well and the main our main threat which we've known all season is our front three of St Maximin, Almiron and to a lesser extent Joel Linton who has struggled to be fair to him but they are the key men for us and that you know St Maximin is ridiculous Almiron is just non-stop Duracell bunny hmm. um, and if we can get the ball up to them and you know actually get some support around them then we might be able to cause teams problems maybe not your ridiculous defence but <laughs> cause some problems at least yeah is, uh, is Joel Linton the third of that three or is it Dwight Gale at the moment well yeah Joe Linton actually played really well in the FA Cup so people were quite surprised that he was dropped because he's been awful for most of the season then his one good game he then got dropped um, I don't know if he'll persist with Gale or whether he'll give it back to Joe Linton Gale, I love Gale because of his championship season but every time he gets a start in the Premier League it's almost like the goal just shrinks for him, I don't know what it is about Gale, he just can't do it in the Premier League it's crazy so he blew a few chances against um, Southampton so if I was the manager I would probably put Joe Linton straight back in but it's 50-50 that one I don't know yeah I, th- I was just thinking actually the two players who caused us the most problems in the uh, in the first game was Dubravka if you can, if you can say a goalkeeper I mean he, he <laughs> yeah. did cause us problems by stopping goals obviously and Andy Carroll was weirdly effective against us actually obviously flicked it on for um, mm-hmm. the second goal and just generally did a proper target man job for us so yeah, that's, that's slightly, you know, you don't want people to get injured, but that is slightly encouraging for us, I suppose. But then, yeah, Sam Maximan, is, uh, he's, a, he's a great player to watch. I've, uh, as a neutral, I've very much enjoyed, you know, seeing him just, I don't know, he, he just looks like one of those classic sort of old school wingers of like, he might beat four men, but then suddenly dribble it out for a throw in for no reason at yeah. all. So I it's guess it's having Ben Arthur back in the side, like oh, a player yeah. like that who, yeah, we, we've been really lucky with players like that. Um, you know Ben Arthur him Ginola going further back he just gets off your seat every time and you know there's some fans that will mourn when he tries to take someone on with a little Ronaldinho flick or something like that but yeah. end of the day that's what you watch football for he, and he does actually have an end product we've discovered in the second part of the season so <laughs> um, yeah he, he's the danger man for us and I think you know I do rate 
it. It's Baldock who plays on the right, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, but he doesn't really defend, does he? So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the, the side you're going to have more of the problems. Almiron might play more centrally where he's meant to, where his actual position is supposed to be, and it could be Matt Ritchie on the wing. But it's hard to sort of judge. Um, sort of Benitez's, uh, Benitez, Bruce's air uh, tactics. Mm. I think if we are going to play Richie, there's going to be a lot of crosses in the box, which I think you'll deal with quite comfortably. So I think, yeah, overlo- overload on the left-hand side for us is probably going to be how we try and get any joy out of it. Mm. He just get up and down, Baldock. You know, he's, uh, he's, he is very good defensively, gets through a lot of uh, a lot of work in both halves of the pitch. So he's, he's not always... Uh, you know, I just always see them in the penalty area. Yeah, it's, like, no. it's, it's like the defenders. <laughs> um, one final question, which I didn't prep you for because I've just thought of it on the spot. But uh, I used to love watching New. I mean, yeah, Newcastle under under Keegan, that kind of era, like proper. Uh, not maybe not quite a second team, but you know the one that you would always want to do well and enjoy watching. If you could pick any player from. Uh, Newcastle's Premier League era because that's about as far back as I can remember to drop into this team who would it be? Well am I allowed to say the obvious answer of Alan Shearer? Yeah <laughs> you are because <laughs> Well that be would a, make a bit of a difference it, wouldn't it? it, it? Yeah I mean he was decent wasn't he I know we're probably <laughs> quite biased with Shearer and he should definitely be the no. first person in this Premier League Hall of Fame for yes. me Yes uh, no, I completely agree I'll be shocked if he isn't it should be him and Ryan Giggs for me most decorated player and highest goal scorer but that, that's another tangent isn't it Yeah, yeah. It actually fits into our team at the minute because there's so many times this season where when we have created chances, Joel Linton isn't a striker. So we break into the box and he stood on the edge of the box instead of being right there in the penalty spot. So any of our strikers from the past sort of 25 years, I guess, Cissé could go in there, Denver Bar could go in there, going further back, someone like Kevin Nolan even could play, could do a better job up front. We're just really lacking that person who knows where to stand, which yeah. sounds stupid really, but um, yeah, it would probably be sure yeah, you need uh, you need Billy Sharp. He knows where to stand all the time. Oh, I'd love but, that. <laughs> I suppose failing that, Alan Shearer is not a bad uh, not a bad shout either. <laughs> nice one. All right, cheers, Andy. <laughs> I re- really uh, really appreciate you uh, you giving up some time to talk to us. Um, do you want to tell people where they can check out more of uh, video as well as podcast content from you? I suppose. Yes, we've just done uh, one for our channel where we talk about many of the same things um, on uh, Gallagher Shots is our YouTube channel and we also have a podcast called um, All With Smiling Faces which um, for the non-Geordies is All With Smiling Faces um, so you can check us out there on iTunes and then yeah, like I say, the YouTube channel. Good stuff and uh, yeah, thanks once again for coming on. Um, I- I'd like us to get some revenge um, for the first game this weekend but uh, yeah lots of luck for the rest of the season I'm 99% sure we will both be playing each other again next season and uh, yeah hopefully uh, hopefully more entertaining game from a United fan perspective this weekend we'll see how that one goes Um, yeah thanks again buddy and uh, I'll, I'll talk to you later thanks very much see you later Thanks very much to Andy from Gallagate Shots. Thanks to Andrew, of course, for joining me, as always, putting in the extra effort this week to get on the podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Now, you've made it this far, so I would like to just uh, hit you with an advert from one of our sponsors that helps me uh, helps me keep this uploaded, helps uh, pay my electricity bills, that kind of thing. You've probably heard me talk about them before. It is, of course, Beer 52. If you are like me, football and a few beers go together very nicely. And Beer 52 are offering a free case of their hand-picked beers to BladesPod subscribers. All you need to do is head to beer52.com slash BladesPod, sign up, cover the 4 95 for postage. They will send you a case of eight free beers. 
They're not just any beers. Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there, deliver it to their members each and every month. So if, like me, you like trying something new when it comes to your beer, Beer 52 is definitely for you. They don't hold you to ransom. You can leave it any time with no cost to you. Sign up today, get your free case of craft beer. You get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. It's the word beer, then the number's 52.com slash bladespod. Thanks very much.